Aren't you glad he showed himself? He showed himself that he was alive. He's not dead. Can I tell you that resurrection happened and he rose? That is the crux of everything we have. Jesus rose from the dead. Death does not have a hold on us. There was a man, Brother Ely's uncle, Claude Ely, wrote a song, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold My Body Down. Thank God we're going to rise one day, church. And even when we die from this life, our spirits is taken into the portals of glory. Thank God. He showed his love to those around him. He also confirmed what they believed. In other words, building up their faith. What I told you, he said, was going to come to pass. He also not only confirmed what they heard, but he gave them assurances. He gave them that everything was going to be okay. I'm going to be on the right hand of the Father making intercession. So no matter what you're going through, he's interceding for you, church. He's praying for you. His ministry didn't stop because he rose from the dead. He's still ministering to us, serving to us. Thank God. They also became eyewitnesses. How many is thankful that you're an eyewitness? In myself, I know what he's done. Ain't nobody can tell it like I can tell it. There's a sister of mine that sings that song. You can't tell it like I can tell it because it happened to me. Tell your neighbor, says, he touched me. And you may be seated. Go over to John chapter 20. One of the areas we see after he rose from the dead, some things he done. John, the gospel of John was really talking about the deity of Christ. The other gospels talked about what Jesus did when he was on earth. But John brought about a little bit different aspect who Jesus was. Chapter 20, jump down to verse 19. After he rose from the dead, some things he spoke and did. One, he spoke to the apostles or the disciples in one sense because he was getting ready to commission them to go. Apostle means one sent. And he was getting ready to send them out. But in my mindset, this was the first church gathering. The first church service. And notice who shows up. Say Jesus. Jesus. I like when the church, because you go to some churches and they can be dry, but when Jesus shows up, it changes the atmosphere. But let's read verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit or King James or King James says, Holy Ghost. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, 
they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I want to stay here just for the next few moments. And the title of the message, if you really want to put it, kind of goes along with scripture, breathe again. Hey, how many wants God to breathe again? Jesus, breathe on me. He came in as a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. And that's my roots. I was born again in a Pentecostal movement. And it's never changed. The fire of God is still the same. The Pentecostal movement is still the same. It was God on that day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival that was taking place. All of a sudden, here comes God to come in and said, I'm here. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you in your life. And that's the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. But notice what was taking place in the scriptures I gave you. Behind closed doors. How many has ever gone into a room and shut the door? Why do you do that? You don't want anyone to know what's going on behind there. How many has ever gone to the bathroom and leave the door open? No. At least I hope you don't. You shut the door. How many has ever gone into the bedroom and to change clothes and you've got a house full of people? If you're in there changing clothes, you don't want them to see what only you want to see. You shut the door. Behind closed doors, the Jews were there. Jesus was there, I should say, in this room because he showed up. The Jews were after Jesus and they got rid of him, but they went after because they were, the disciples were fearing. Behind closed doors, fear was there. On this first day of the week, Sunday, how many is thinking we're on Sunday? This is Sunday. Thank God I'm here. What day is it? Sunday. Sunday. Commercial says, what day is it? The camel comes out, it's a Wednesday, hump day. Uh, I beg your pardon, this is Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. It's a day of celebration. It's not time to look down. The doors are open, but this time the doors were closed. Disciples were in a fearful mode. The first service was not (laughs) glorious and grand. They were in a fearful state. You know, we have a live in a world that's in a fearful state right now. In America alone, there are people not knowing what's going to take place next. We've had hurricanes. We got fires on the East Coast. We have so many other things. Uh, A man attacks somebody from a 32nd story building and kills how many? 50 some? Horrific. We're living in the times when the... Paul says it's perilous times, which means grievous. There are people that seem to say, God, I'm going through this. I don't know what takes place next. I'm so confused because fear brings confusion. Fear brings torment. It doesn't bring faith. And they were in a fearful state. I wonder if they were sitting there comparing notes. I wonder if they were saying, He said they heard he had risen, but they quite hadn't all seen him yet. Now, all the disciples weren't there. Ten of them was. I think we got more than ten in this room this morning. And we've gathered to say, we want Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. I want to see Jesus. I want to see what he has. I want to see what he's given to me. And they come together. Whether they were, maybe they were in a prayer meeting. What do we do next? 
They were fearful. When you get people in a fearful mind, <laughs> they're in anxiety. How many have ever gone to a place when they don't know what's going to take place? The doctors come out and say, we don't know what more to do. You become fearful. We may lose a loved one. We may lose a friend. Or maybe you'll hear of a, a situation that doesn't look good and you come into a place of fear. Maybe they was asking, what do we do next? Which direction do we go? The one we relied upon, one we have followed for all this time, for these years, now is gone. We hear he's raised, but do we truly believe they were fearful of the Jews? Some of you are in a place of fearfulness because fearfulness brings anxiety, confusion. You don't know what direction to go. They were in a place of isolationism. That's not where God wants us to be. That's in a good amen spot. Amen. One thing though, I'm glad they didn't scatter. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, as you see the day approaching, what should you do? What does it say? Gather together that much more. We have churches closing doors because people don't want to gather together anymore. They want the world and God. You can't ride the fence. Either it's going to be God or nothing. One thing I'm thankful that they did that because we're living in perilous times, church. Look around. People have become lovers of pleasure more than they love God. They're spiteful, hateful. They're high-minded. Children become disobedient to parents. Trust me, if you haven't seen that, come to the daycare. You'll see kids and you'll see little ones. I'll tell you what, they can say words worse than a sailor because of what they're seeing at home. But people are fearful of what's going to take place next. One, when will the government collapse? Because we can't keep going with a $20 trillion budget, as if you want to say, or indebtedness. One day, that credit card's going to have to be paid. One day, something's going to have to take place. So what are we going to do? Will I lose my job? Fearful things. What about my health as I get older? I feel things that I don't feel when I was younger. What's going to happen? Immortality starts setting in, fearfulness. But as we see this, this grievous times, don't let confusion come in because we have a country that's in a confusion state. Well, we got a college that puts on their enrollment. Okay, we, you really don't know your identity, so you can put just other. One thing, they didn't put cousin it. Maybe they did. They, <laughs> they need to. Because sometimes I wonder, where's people's minds? Look in the mirror. What are you, male or female? See, we have a spirit of antichrist going through the land, confusing the world we live in. But it should not confuse the church. Yeah. It should not confuse us as believers. I like what happened. Jesus shows up. No way you can shut him out. How many knows he knows how to open doors? Yeah. You can lock it. You can say it. Not witness in a fearful state but when Jesus shows up things change I like one of the first things he did peace be with you you know what he was doing rebuking the fear yes. 
rebuking the anxiety, rebuking the confusion, rebuking everything that was trying to come in their minds and their hearts. He was saying, boys, everything's going to be all right. When Jesus shows up, he says, I've got it all under control. I may have been dead for a season, but I'm alive forevermore. Mm, Glory to God. I'm glad he showed up. I'm glad he, he came in. See, if Jesus can walk on water, he knows how to get through these places that you think you can keep people out. You may have been praying about situations and it seemed like the doors are shut. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with a business deal. Maybe it's with uh, something else that's going on in your life. Maybe the doctors are saying this and it feels like the doors just keep getting shut and and you seem to can't get it open. But I'm telling you, when Jesus shows up, he knows how to open the doors. He is the healer. He is the peace giver. The doctors can prescribe and do everything they want to. 50% of people are on prescription drugs right now for mental state, even some Christians. When Jesus says, I am the peace giver, I can calm your senses. I can uh, take away the fear that's on your life, the confusion, anxiety, everything else. See, when did he show up? Suddenly. When you least expect it, suddenly Jesus shows up. They were in a fearful state. Maybe praying, I don't know. Comparing notes. They didn't scatter, but they knew that they had each other. They, maybe they was in a sorrowful state. What are we going to do next? The one that said and gave us all these things. We've seen the miracles. We've seen what he did. Feeding the 5,000. Healing all those people that we see. Opening the blinded eyes. Opening the deaf ears. Rebuking the enemy. And now what's going to take place? They're going to kill us and that's it. But they didn't understand the plan. We see in Acts chapter 1, as Luke recorded, he said he showed himself for 40 days. Thank God he did. Thank God. And what did he do? Not only he brought peace, which brings calmness, which kind of brings an area. And this is what he did. I'm going to reassure you. Everything's going to be all right. Can I bring it to a place to you today? What have you been thinking? What have you been wondering? Can God do? I'm telling you, God can do anything. He changed the atmosphere. Immediately, they looked up. They seen him. The voice that he spoke was what they used to hear. The same voice. (laughs) I'm sure when he come in the room, maybe they started thinking, it's a ghost, just like they did on the water. But when he started speaking, peace be with you. Let me say that with what God said from his word. Peace be with you. That's the words of Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus wants to give you his peace? He prayed earlier, as we see in John, that he says, my peace I leave with you. Don't be overtaken with things around you. Don't be overtaken with issues and fearfulness and What's happening, but you need to hang on. In other words, Jesus spoke not only reassurance, but with confidence. We as a church need to have some confidence in what Jesus said. We need to believe exactly what he said and stand on it. Don't waver from it. There's too many people wavering. 
They're saying, well, you don't go out to the big crowd. <laughs> Jesus always didn't have the big crowd. When he was on the cross, <laughs> there was only one of the disciples looking on. That was John the Beloved. Only one stuck with him. Peter ran away. He even cursed and denied that he knew him. But Jesus still loved him. Even Thomas, <clears throat> that wasn't amongst them, was a doubter. But Jesus still loved him. And Jesus showed himself to them. Suddenly he came. Things changed. Something else I noticed from these scriptures. He established his identity. He established who he is and who he will be. How many knows the Bible says Jesus is the same? How? Forever. Yesterday, he's the same. If you could go in the past, you're going to see Jesus the same. In the present, he's here right now. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. <laughs> you know what? When we come to church, I've never seen a time when so many people just sit on the things of God. It's time we, we say, God, you're God, and come in with an excitement, with an atmosphere changing the situation. God, you've already arrived because he come with you. Yes. Isn't it greater? That's he that's in me. Yes. I mean, if he's Lord, he's over you. He's in you. He's through you. You brought him with you. Yes. You should come in. Look what the Lord is doing. Not just what he has done. But he established his identity. Now, how did he do that? I'm glad you asked. You know what he did? Went like this. Opened his hands. You know what else he did? See my side. See my side. He opened his hands. He showed his identity. Look, these scars I took for you. These marks I took for you. He opened up. These were peculiar marks. Marks that is not normal of an individual. Jesus showed these marks that he took for them, but for the world. We have a generation that doesn't know Jesus Christ. But we have a church generation that seems to not know who he is either. We need to realize he died for every single one of us. He loved us with an everlasting love. He took the marks for us. Even in heaven now, he's looking at the marks. He looks at his feet. He looks at his side. Why did he show his hands and his side? You know what? I put this in, in my analogy. He's open-handed to anybody that wants a handout. It's not, I want to hand you my hands. I want to lift you up where you're at. I've got two hands. Look what I did for you. But you know what also shows me? I have an open heart. You can see exactly who I am. I'm not hiding anything. Disciples were in a fearful state. They didn't know what was really going on. They didn't really understand. See, intellect will not bring you spiritual understanding. It takes an atmosphere being in the spirit for him to reveal who he is. Amen. There's people that will read and read and read. Go to college, go to seminary, do this, but they still don't know who he is. 
But I'm telling you, he's alive. Amen. He was saying, I'm identifying with people that are alive. You're acting like you're deadheads. It's time to wake up. The church is now beginning. One thing he did as he moved on in his discourse to the disciples, he said, peace to you. Notice peace with you, but now he's saying peace to you. You know what he was saying? He was reassuring him of the call. He was saying, I've called you. You followed. Some of you have been following for quite some time and you're saying, am I going the right direction? Am I going the way that I should go? Am I in the place where God wants me to be? Amen. You've been confused in so many areas, but God wants to reassure you. I'm with you. I've called you. Peace to you. Amen. This peace brought not only confidence, but a identification of future. Everything's going to be okay. Peace with you calms the situation, rebukes the fear. But then he said, peace to you establishes that. Can I tell you, Christ is our peace. Amen. And that's what we need to be speaking. Do we believe his word or not? Yes. He is the mighty counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. He is the one that wants to bring areas in your life because he calms. See, peace calms the situation. When there's peace, it calms everything. I've been in those areas where the boats get kind of like this. And I see people get seasick because of the disruption that was going on by the sea. But all of a sudden, the wind stopped. All of a sudden, the waves stop. It becomes a nice ride. Jesus wants to calm your situation. Jesus wants to bring peace to you and the things that we're looking at. In a world that we live in that does not have peace, we are agents of peace. Amen. We are called sons and daughters of peace. Let me say it again. We are called to be peace, ones that deliver the peace. The gospel brings good news, but it brings a gospel of peace. Amen. Everybody is in a state of no peace. They don't know which way to go. They're in a fearful state. But I'm telling you right now, we need to wake up. Everything is going to be okay. Jesus is speaking all this. Peace, peace, peace. Amen. There's an old song. It goes, peace, peace, wonderful peace. From the Father above, sweeping over my spirit, I pray in fathomless billows of love. Aren't you glad for his peace? Amen. See, his peace passes all understanding. When you seem to don't know which way and your boat and your, your life seems to be going this way, Rocking to and fro. Jesus speaks peace. The other thing I noticed from scripture here, as Jesus was bringing his discourse and talking to his, his kids, if you really want to say, but his brothers. He says, the father sent me. So I'm sending you. 
See, he brought peace. And he said, but I'm sending you. And you take this peace to the world. You take this reassurance that God loves them. See, God is not hating people. He wants them to get right with him. God wants to take them out of the sinful state they're in, not keep them in it. We live in an area where they seem to think that if I get saved, I can still do my sin. No, God brought you out of sin, not to keep you in sin. And we must understand that people want to do what they want to, but they want God to. It doesn't work that way. When you get over your life to God, you're changed. You're transformed. Your, your actions, your thoughts, your words, everything about you changes. The world should see that. He sent us for that. He sent his disciples, made them apostles to spread this peace, this gospel of peace, this commission. As the father sent me, I send you. Let me ask you a question. You think it's all for the, just the pastors, the preachers, fivefold ministry? I believe it's called, called you. Touch your neighbor and says, you're called. But you're sent. You're sent. Far too many people says, well, I can't do anything. <laughs> Give it to God and God, watch God do. We become of those daughters. See, Jesus sent them. He appointed them. He gave them an appointment. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've been appointed. How many of you have had the boss tell you, he says, I need you to go to do this, and you didn't do it? What happens? Either get rolled up or you get fired. Or they're going to transfer you to someplace you don't want to go. Jesus appointed us, but he authorized us by his name. He says, the father sent me, now I'm sending you. Appointed and authorized us. And you know what he did? He armed us with his divine power. Let me shout on that one. He armed me with the divine power to overcome every situation, to overcome every obstacle. No matter what the devil's throwing up or what the religious folks are doing, and we've got a lot of religious folks trying to control the situation. But I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about a divine appointment, a divine authorization, a divine arming that I can overcome everything that God's placed within me. He was telling them, he says, I'm sending you and I'm giving you authority. Now you overcome. Don't be in behind closed doors. Don't be in a fearful state. How many of you have ever gone through something and you feel like you've lost your mind? Am I the only one? There have been many times I go through things, my heart's been broke. Things have caught, then all of a sudden I get it on my prayer bones and I feel the Holy Ghost come and bring peace and breathe on me again. Amen. Saying everything's going to be all right. Yes. Everything's going to turn around for you. Hang on just a little bit. See, I didn't come to Warsaw just to, I could stay where I was at. I could stay in the pew. I didn't have to obey. But God says, I've got a purpose and a call. In Warsaw, they need another move of God. Amen. Not another church where you're just gathering together. But God says, I've got to move. I need you to move with me. Yes. I come to destroy the works of the enemy. Yes. I come to bring healing. 
I come to bring peace. I come to bring everything that heaven has to offer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, Let me shout on that. Thank you, Father. You're sending us. You know what he did? He didn't stop there. I'm glad he didn't. The Bible says he breathed on them. He breathed on them. Now, what has breath got to do? This action he took was the same action that the father took in Genesis chapter 2. But there's a difference. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, when God breathed into Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life. Then now Jesus comes and didn't breathe into them, but breathed on them. You know what he was doing? He was clothing them. Thank God for the breath of God. But then he didn't stop there. He says, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive. Receive means to take in. That word means when you receive something, you take it in. There's far too many people who have not received the Holy Spirit, the baptism that God wants to give you and not taking it inside, not taking it deep down in here. That is what the overcoming power God wants to give you. You shall be witnesses unto me. And where? After what? After what God's doing? After he gives you the Holy Ghost, you shall be witnesses where? Some of you need to read scripture. (laughs) (laughs) Unto me first. And then to Jerusalem. Then to Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to be witnesses to Jesus. We need to talk to him and say, thank you for giving me peace. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you for clothing me. See, when the spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, you know what happened? It was like a mighty rushing wind. That You know what spirit means? Breath. You know what it's really saying? This is God's breath breathing in you. This is God's spirit. This is not natural. But I'm telling you, you do things that's not natural when you receive the Holy Ghost. How many's ever spoken in other tongues? Am I the only one? Let me see your hands. Declare it. I've spoken in another tongue. And it's not from this world. God gives you a different language. God gives you power to overcome every obstacle that's before you. Even to tread upon serpents. Amen. How many wants God to breathe again? See, God's clothing us not only with power, but his glory. His glory, not ours. That's the reason why it's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. A glorious church. A glorious church. God breathed on them his glory. We should outshine everything that's going around us. We should allow the glory of God to come in. Not just in our worship. Wow, wasn't that great worship? We should come in with the glory of God all around us. Just like Moses had to hide his face because the glory was so bright. We should be, if that was then, what is it now? He had it on him. We've got it in us. He breathed on them. But then he said, receive. Allow God to fill you. We need God to breathe again. 
Breath, air, wind is the symbols of spirit. God wants to breathe again in his church. God wants to breathe again on his people. Touch your neighbor and say, he's wanting to breathe on you. See, his church should not be a church that's sitting on the sidelines, but taking out the gospel, taking out the good news, but taking out the power. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring everything of calmness. He wants to bring everything that he took. Didn't he take the stripes for our healings? Are we supposed to take out his word? He sent his word that we may be healed. You need to start speaking and say, enough is enough. (laughs) Enough is enough. I'm healed. By the stripes that was taken for me, I'm healed. You need to start saying, I'm no longer in bondage. I am free. Whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. We need to start speaking over these situations. What Jesus told us, he's appointed us, authorized us, and he's armed us with his power that we can speak to every situation that God is going to bring about his kingdom. And that's what he sent him out to do. See, the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in what? The Holy Ghost. When was the last time we seen the Holy Ghost move? We had a camp meeting. Oh, I enjoyed myself. I seen some other ministers. It was encouraged me. But you know what? That was then. What about now? It's fresh and new every day. His benefits are fresh and new every day. God, what do you got for me today? This week I was couldn't speak. Martha was happy. My coworkers said, go home. They were happy. <laughs> I was supposed to produce some presenting and I couldn't do it. I had to schedule it another time. And I, I said, God, I can't preach until you heal my voice. As the day progressed, I started speaking over that. And God brought about my voice. And God's bringing things together, church. But that's just one. Touched you when you started worshiping God, didn't he, sis? Sister Joyce. Touched you. Use in pain. And sometimes when you're in those situations, when you're in that, you can't think of anything else, but you come in the presence of God and Jesus shows up. Oh, thank God. The first church service that we see from the Bible, Jesus shows up. Oh, we need Jesus to show up every service. We need him to come with us. Go home with us. Be in my home. Jesus breathed on them. We need God to breathe again. The one thing I noticed, and I want you to get noticed because next Sunday I'm going to bring out some things. The enemy is like a serpent. The Bible calls him like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. He is not, but they also calls him a serpent. And there's a serpent that's been going out and trying to choke the breath of God out of the saints. But I'm here to declare that no more shall that serpent try to take the breath of God away. Because God gave us his breath and God says, I'm not taking it away. I'll give it to you for a reason. This is God's breath. When we raise our voice in one and we rejoice in God and we sing the praises of God under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that is God's flowing through us. So here's why you act different. 
People say, well, I thought you're supposed to be prim and proper. We're supposed to have an order of this thing. When he's in the house, there's order. Amen. He sets the captive free, heals the brokenhearted, opens the blinded eyes. He gets us in the right mode. The atmosphere changes. No longer it's me and them. It's us together. The devil would love to keep us divided. But now God says, I'm bringing you in unity. Breathe again. Say that with me. God wants to breathe on you again. Some of you have not felt the presence of the Lord in a long time. Some of you came out of movements that didn't have the breath of God blowing and flowing in the services. And some of you haven't seen it for a while, but I'm here to tell you, God is doing it again. He's breathing again on his church. He's bringing the breath of life. He said, I'm bringing it on you, but you shall have it in you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Thank God he's breathing again. One of the things I notice the hospitals do when people don't breathe, they try to get breath back in them. Sometimes they put them on machines. Sometimes they said, well, they're alive because of the machine. You see their lungs moving up in their chest, going up and down. But the only thing that's keeping them there is that machine. There's too many churches that's been on these machines for too long. And God says, I didn't call you to be on a life support system. I called you because I am your life. And I have a greater way. He is the physician. He is my all in all. We need to look to him, church. First church service, a gathering of the saints, a gathering of the disciples. How many disciples we have in the house? The Bible says we're two or three. Are gathering his name? I think there's more than three. I think there's more than two. But if that least amount, Jesus said, I'll be in the midst. Jesus wants to come in the midst. Now, let me ask you a question. If people come into the service today, are they going to see the glory of God on you, around you, and in you? Or what are they going to see? People sucking on lemons? <laughs> if you've got the Holy Ghost inside you, you need to let your face know. I heard that just not too long ago. I thought that was pretty good. Show what God's done. Rejoice in the Lord and let him bring peace. Let him reassure you. Let him breathe on you. God, breathe again on your church. Stand to your feet if you would, please, older Bill.